1: That's ChumbaCasino.com.
0: No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. Or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: Welcome in to another episode of Respect My Decision. I'm your host, Zach Barry. Been gone the past couple weeks. Uh, been tied up. Been busy. You know, real life as that goes. And we're coming to you with a special Thanksgiving week edition. I am uh, excited uh, for my guest this week. Uh, it is Ari Wasserman of The Athletic. Ari, thanks for joining, man. How are you?
0: Good. Uh, respect my decisions. A really solid podcast
1: name. <laughs> Appreciate it. Um, so let's just jump right into it. I, I saw you. You just did a piece on South Carolina and how the departure of Will Muschamp could potentially affect their recruiting, not just 2021 but 2022. Um, so let's just jump right into it. In terms of dealing with keeping and uh, keeping momentum, keeping recruits, keeping commits. Um, in your opinion someone that covers it nationally, when a coach is let go, especially mid-season, what is the biggest, I guess, how does that affect everything as a whole when it comes to keeping the current class and trying to keep momentum going forward?
0: Yeah, man, I was on the Ohio State beat when Urban Meyer resigned in December, and uh, I had to like, watch Ohio State scramble to keep their class intact. And ever since the early signing period in the last few years began, You know, firing a coach in November is a much harder proposition than it used to be because they used to have three months to hire somebody and let the dust settle and try to maintain that class. But now when you fire a champ on November 15th, you're talking about literally one month before these kids can start signing. And they've already lost four or five kids in this class, one of which was a top 400 prospect. That's a huge deal uh, for South Carolina. But the biggest deal, more so than how they handle this year's class, is whether or not they're going to keep the five-star kid uh, out of Georgia, Gunnar Stockton, the quarterback committed in the 2022 class. And, you know, I've I've said some things on other podcasts that have come across as controversial, but, you know, it's my opinion that getting the five-star prospect is probably more important than who's coaching. Um, And I'm not saying that you can't mess up a five-star or the five-star prospect is um, paramount to everything that you want to do. But when you're at a place like South Carolina, who's had some success in the past 15 years based on five-star prospects like J.D to Davion Clowney like those types of prospects change those programs more than they change in Alabama or Clemson or Ohio State because they've got so many of them but if you get one at the quarterback position that is such an important piece to what you need to build your program around now I don't know whether Stockton's going to decommit he's in the 2022 class so in terms of the timeline uh November 15th doesn't make much of a difference because he has a whole other year before he can sign but still if he was uh a must Champ guy or he likes South Carolina because of Muschamp, you're playing with fire and losing must Champ is one thing, but losing the future of your program from an athletic standpoint at the most important position is a bigger, bigger problem to me. So, you know, I think that this is an interesting dynamic when Tom Herman was on the hot seat a few months ago and they had Quinn Ewers committed in twenty twenty two before he decommitted and eventually committed to Ohio State, I thought, how can you get rid of Herman when you have this talent coming in? He's the number two overall player of the twenty two class. And, you know, no matter where you are, I feel like the most important thing is to get these kids into the program. And firing coaches without getting these kids into the program makes it a a much difficult much more difficult proposition.
1: And I was I was going to get to it but you already touched on it. Gunnar Stockton is a is a unique situation here because like you said, he still has another gear. So I would I would venture to guess that he is probably maybe in a little wait-and-see mode. He maybe wants to see who South Carolina hires, maybe see who the OC is going to yeah. be. Um, and then you mentioned Quinn Ewers and and kind of his decommitment from Texas, and then he committed to Ohio State, and um, they just added another big piece, another five-star receiver. Um, and Caleb Burton, do you think that – my 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 thing is, if firing a coach and worrying about losing commits, and, and I've always been of the opinion, you can't base the future of the program on just you know one player or one class or you know a collection of of commits. I think that it's for the for the betterment of the program. It's more of a you got to make sure that you have the right head coach there because commits are only there three or four years. Do you feel that same way, or do you think like with with Tom Herman? maybe Texas was a little reluctant to get rid of him or move on because they had such a big-name quarterback commit? I don't know that
0: you ever make a coaching decision based on who's committed or who could commit. I think that you weigh it in the process when you put a pros and cons list together about the pros and cons of whether or not you should let go of your coach. So I think it's something that should be factored and weighed because, listen, at Michigan, it's a perfect example. You have a coach right now in Jim Harbaugh who has a top-ten class. That top 10 class is pretty good for Michigan standards, but it's so abundantly clear, at least to me, that they've got the wrong head coach in place. So you can't really decide, well, we're going to keep Harbaugh for one more year only because Mm -hmm. of this recruiting class, no matter how good it is, because he's had good recruiting classes before and it's still not panning out. So it's kind of a case-by-case basis. I think that if you're a middle-tier program like South Carolina with high-end expectations like every uh, fan base in the SEC – you know, you kind of have to weigh your options there. But, like, when you're talking about a generational talent at quarterback that doesn't go to your school very often, when you get that player, it means a lot more at a place like South Carolina than it does at a place like um, Alabama because they don't get those kids. And they need those kids to compete at the highest level. So what's what's South Carolina's problem right now if you really break it down? I mean, all you got to do, and I don't know if this is off the top of my head, but go look and see where South Carolina is in the team comp- composite rankings – I'm assuming it's somewhere in the thirties and compare them to the fact that there's like nine teams in the sec in the top 15. They're like the worst team in terms of talent on the roster in the entire conference. So when you want to discuss must not getting it done, I think step one is not having enough good players to win at the highest level. And when you have that player at the quarterback position, which is the hardest thing to do, that's the one thing that would be the proven catalyst for change. And now you might not get that. So you know, Again, if it's been three or four years and things aren't going well or you know that your program's not in the right area and you have to make a change, I'm not saying keep a coach only because they have a five-star quarterback committed, but in the realm of who you're going to hire and where the program is currently at, I sometimes think it might be worth keeping a coach a year longer to get that kid into the program because that's what really the problem is. They just don't have as good of players as the teams are losing to.
1: Yeah. Right now, the team composite showing South Carolina is sitting at 69th in the country. Um, Are you kidding me? Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Well, that's way worse than I thought it was. You know, yeah. I would have thought that it was somewhere in the 30s or 40s. Yeah, and just a
1: yeah, quick. I
0: mean, then I guess.
1: It, I was going to say the a, the case, a quick but, scroll you know, here. I mean, Vandy's ahead you know.
0: of them. Yeah. Well, you know, if you read the the composite ranking talent, and you know, you you kind of hit me over the head with it there, and I appreciate it. it, it <laughs> then maybe that's the problem. I mean, that's – if you don't – I think 80% of being a head coach in college football is your ability to accumulate talent. And if you're outside of the top 60, which means there are are multiple power or a group of five teams ahead of you and you play in the SEC, then what what kind of uh, success were these fans hoping for? That's not even a competitive benchmark.
1: Just uh, scrolling through here, there's at least 10, 11, 12, yeah. 13 SEC teams with a quick scroll here ahead of uh, 14, including Vandy, in, in front of South Carolina. So that, yeah, I mean, the emphasis is on getting those high end players. Yeah, because, I mean, I think you would, you, I would venture to say you'd agree with me here that, you know, having a elite to really good impact player at quarterback is a major key in Power 5 football. Um, right below that is 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 what you do in the trenches. I mean, the, the defensive linemen right. are probably the hardest recruit to sign um, just because everybody has to have them. So, um, yeah, and, and I'm glad you brought up Texas because I wanted to transition there, and you mentioned Michigan as well, so you're just reading my mind today. Just a quick sidebar away from recruiting. You mentioned Harbaugh, and he's a guy that's not getting it done. They're recruiting at an extremely high level, but they're still not winning. He hasn't beaten Ohio State since he's been in Ann Arbor. Um, I don't believe he's beaten Penn State. He might have beaten them once um i think he's being the one who who does michigan get I, I i'm trying to rack my brain and i really don't know who they can get or who they will go get
0: who they could replace harbaugh with
1: yeah like I, I just don't know i mean is it matt campbell do you just throw the throw the brinks truck at him like what do you do
0: matt campbell um has uh iowa state on the verge if they win on saturday uh of playing in the big 12 championship game. You want to talk about punching a above your weight. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, I think Matt Campbell is an interesting dynamic. I, I think that there are 10 names I could come up with off the top of my head right now. I mean, you could talk about Jeff Halfley, uh, Luke Fickle, you know, and I, this is not saying that they would do it,
1: but mm-hmm. Mario
0: Cristobal. I mean, there are a lot of names out there that Michigan has plenty of money to go try to attempt to get right now. I, I, I don't know. When you say, I don't know who they're going to get, I don't know why you think that. Is it because there's nobody that's a Michigan man out there? Is it because <laughs> there's nobody better than Harbaugh on your mind? Like I think that Michigan is in a perfect position right now from a talent standpoint, a resource standpoint, everything it has to sell from the education that it offers, the stadium it plays, in, the facilities that these kids have, the uniforms, the Jordan brand, uh, the location. I mean, Ann Arbor is a great city. What what is the reason why Michigan is getting its head kicked in and almost losing to Rutgers in overtime right now? Yeah, uh, it's not talent because you know while their talent can't come close to sacking up to their rival, it's still much better than the teams they're losing to. So like, what is it that people think that Jim Harbaugh is that cannot be replaced? Right. Like, what what like like what is your thought? Pro- and I'm not challenging you, but it's a very common thought process of who can they who can they not get? And it's like, well, who do they have? at this point, you know, it's a big name. It was a big time hire when they got him and everybody was super excited. It was supposed to be the 10 year war, Bo, Woody, all that stuff. And it's proven to not be the case. So when you say, who can you get? I think the, the follow-up question is, who do you have?
1: Yeah. And, and I guess I should have phrased it better. I wasn't, it, it wasn't like a, well, who can, you know, who can they afford or, you know, who could they possibly get? You know, it was more of like, I just don't know who, like, a name, like I know there's names out there. Like you mentioned Luke fickle and I love what he's done at Cincinnati, but is he, obviously he will go to a power five job over a group of five, but he's got a really good thing going there. And I believe he's a Cincinnati guy. And I know that he likes being there, but is he, I know he coached at Ohio state and I don't think that'll be a deterrent from going to Michigan. Um, but you did, you made a great,
0: with Luke fickle, it would be because he played, he played at Ohio state and, uh, is coached at Ohio State for 15 years, and he's about as big of a Buckeye as a human being can get, mm-hmm. and I don't know that he actually would ever end up going there. Uh, the re- the point I'm, I'm making is that I can name names, and Michigan has the resources to make people think. Oh,
1: so absolutely.
0: truck. Why don't you back up the Brinks truck in front of Luke Fickle's house and dump the money on the floor <laughs> and see what happens, because he's got six children. That's now, right. Everybody, these are people. They're not coaches. Uh, they're, they're people, and people like to get generational wealth. So, you know, there's a lot of different names out there. And here's another question. Do you know who Ryan Day was five years ago? Did anybody? I didn't know who he was five years ago, and I covered Ohio State until they hired him. I had never heard of the guy, and now he's one of the best young coaches in college football. And granted, part of it is because he he, uh, inherited a program from Urban Meyer that, you know, put him in a position to have the infrastructure to be successful. But just because you haven't heard of somebody, there's a lot of young, talented, passionate coaches out there who can design and create an effective recruiting plan and hire a nice staff, put together all the infrastructure that you need, and improve on the program that they already have. Because right now, uh, going 10-2 and two might be okay for some Michigan fans, but losing to Ohio State 63-10 at the end of every year means that you're not competitive with your rival. And, and my, my viewpoint of this is that Michigan is a prestigious enough program to be able to analyze and evaluate talent from a coaching standpoint, the same way a coach should be able to with a talent standpoint in high school football and put somebody in place to make that program more competitive because they're not competitive right now.
1: So here's a name that that I always liked when it was coaching search season. It's one of my favorite seasons. I think it should be a, a, an actual legitimate season that we should all uh, all honor. But I thought that Brian Harson was one of the bigger, more impressive names out there. He's at, He's been at Boise State for forever is that somebody that maybe Texas, or uh, he's been at Texas before, or is that somebody that maybe Texas will go after to replace Tom Herman if he continues to kind of flounder over there in Austin?
0: Yeah, you know, Texas was such an interesting case study because it used to be, or maybe still is, a top-five job in America. And uh, I live in Dallas. I know how much uh, talent is in this state. And you should be able to be put in a position where you have a top-five most well, talented team, which Texas does, and compete in and win big 10 champion or big 12 championships. So right now, Tom Herman's in a very unique position because their season was a dumpster fire at the beginning of the year. And then all of a sudden now, if they beat Iowa state, they might walk into the big 12 championship game. So I don't know if they're going to be in a position to make a move. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I like the idea and I don't know if this is short-sighted, but go hire a young, passionate coach who's charismatic, who can go into any living room in the country and hold himself well, make an impression, identify a recruiting plan and put together a coaching staff that can compete at the highest level. And I think that a lot of times fan bases crave finding coaches who are already brand names, like go find the Jim Harbaugh who took a team to a Super Bowl, or go find these big time coaches that already have a reputation for winning. And I don't know that that's necessarily the key to winning at the highest level. I think you need to find the right fit and make that person successful. That person doesn't already have to have been successful. Go find a coordinator. Go find somebody who has a proven track record for uh, finding and developing and recruiting talent. And it can be anybody. I mean, Jason Candle over at Toledo right now isn't a very exciting name, Mm -hmm. but he's like the same position that Matt Campbell was in three years ago. Go get him and and give it a whirl. If you're in a situation where you have money and resources, you should be able to put together a coaching search where you can find the next – Jeff Halfley or the next Ryan Day and find somebody who might not have the reputation of a head coach but also can come in and make a difference so these, these universities man they have millions and millions of dollars and resources for search parties and talent evaluation and job interviews and screening and vetting and back chat. I mean all these things that they can do and finding a coach uh, it's a very competitive thing to, to achieve but there's a lot of candidates and to me, I don't think underachieving and staying underachieving because you're afraid that you won't be able to find a replacement is a very slippery slope to try to go down.
1: Talking about you know going and just getting someone that's a that's proven to be able to get it done, whether it's recruiting, winning, um, somebody that has proven that he can recruit and he can win, um, and now is at at a blue blood power five is doing it at a high level as a coordinator. How much longer before someone gives Steve Sarkeesian a shot?
0: You know, you get uh, into these scenarios and it's like really hard because uh, Sark had some issues um, at USC that had nothing to do with performance and more so off the field stuff. Mm -hmm. I think he's going to get his shot again. And like, that's kind of been the resurgence, you know, go uh, work at Alabama and, and build yourself back up and then go get a job. I mean, it's like the Lane Kiffin route. Um, and, you know, you like that Lane Kiffin's the head coach again at Ole Miss. It makes it more exciting. They've got a great offense. And, you know, I think if he's got it all cleaned up and he's got his head back on his shoulders, that, you know, he's an attractive person, especially from the, the coaching mind that he is, to give it a shot. And do I think he's going to get one? Absolutely. Do I think it's going to be this year or where? I don't know. I can't answer those questions. But I do think that, like, he is a nice candidate because he has had – uh, a major job before and you know he seems to be having a very uh um promising little career right now uh, as a coordinator so I, I do think that you know that's another name that you can add to lists. and you know it, you, you can play this game all day man you can pick you can pick anybody that you wanted you know offensive coordinators I mean you can go over to, to Clemson they've got two coaches and uh, Tony Elliott and, and uh Brent Venables who have been there and proven winners and they've won national championships. And those guys are interesting to me too. So, you know, in terms of candidates, again, there's really, there's no shortage of candidates. You just have to find somebody who you trust can recruit, who can identify uh, a recruiting strategy, stick to it and execute it. And a lot of times, like even at Michigan, not to pick on them, but they don't have an identifiable recruiting plan. I mean, think about that. They're paying their coach eight and a half million dollars a year. I can't sit here right now as a national recruiting reporter and tell you what their plan is. That's crazy.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a mystery to me because you, you you talked about how Harbaugh you know got his team to a Super Bowl. I mean, I don't think he's a bad coach. It's just something's just not jiving up there. It's just not working. I mean, you watch them scratch and claw to get a win against Rutgers last week. They haven't beaten Ohio State. They're not beating them this year. It's just a it's such a bizarre situation up there. I I don't know what the answer is. That's kind of what I I guess what I should have asked you is. You know, I don't know what they do. Yeah. Um, well, the problem
0: is I just think he's a bizarre person. Well, so
1: well that in too. In order
0: for it to work, you have to, you know, and I'm not saying bizarre is, is good or bad. I mean, I covered Urban Meyer, and he's a certain type of personality, and you might not want to play for that guy either. He's super intense and demands excellence and 100% every second of every day, whether you're, you know, cleaning your room or, or playing a football game. And, you know, some people are rubbed the wrong way by him. So I'm not saying that you have to be – the most normal person in the world, but in a world where charisma and being able to connect to people and, and all these things are ultra important because all recruiting is, is relationships. You have to find a person that can connect with people at a high level and convince them that that's the place to go. Um, and what I think might've happened in Michigan is they found a coach who's a pretty good football mind, but as an NFL coach who loves Michigan. I don't know that he's a college coach Just because he went to Michigan and has Ann Arbor ties and is a Michigan man doesn't mean that he's the most qualified person for running their football program. Uh, You know, if I were Michigan, I would go find an Ohio person who can recruit Ohio who might have an Ohio state tie and can identify their recruiting strategy, go back into Ohio and butt heads with Ohio state every day on a recruiting trail and really try to make them more competitive in the way that they used to make it. The best coach in, in Michigan history is an Ohio state person. So, you know, that's why the rivalry is what it is. The borders, the, the the distance, you know, lean into the fact that without Ohio, Michigan isn't Michigan. Go get an Ohio person and let it ride, and, and let's make this this rivalry even more interesting.
1: Yeah, I, your guess is as good as mine there. And like I said, you just need to throw everything out. Like, don't worry about who's a Michigan man. You know, all jokes aside, who who fits there? Who who? Bleeds blue, you know. It just needs to be who's the right fit, who can recruit, and who can get Guess players what? in.
0: Anybody can become a Michigan man. You don't have to have gone to college there to become one. Yeah, go, absolutely. Go win, uh, the Big Ten in Michigan take that team to Indianapolis. We'll see you a Michigan man is real quick.
1: Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. No. No doubt. um So as we as we head towards closing up here, and, and again, I appreciate your time, holiday week, and all that. um Early signing period. It's still on. I think as we got creeping towards September, October, I I was slightly worried that they were going to have it at all Uh, just because the no official visits and all that has been, you know, a huge swing for a lot of programs and, you know, a lot of staffs that would really be doing well recruiting-wise if they could make an actual presence physically in front of a recruit. They haven't been able to do that this season. Um, What are some of the bigger names that are signing early, some of the programs that you think are – have the have the real chance to close strong in December, and and who are you kind of uh, you know who's peaking your interest right now?
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. You can go the obvious route here and um, just say the the big the big dogs at the top. I mean, Ohio State and Alabama are in a head to head matchup right now uh, to get the number one class, and Ohio State's never signed the number one class, not even when uh, Urban was the head coach, so. You know, they're in a position right now to sign two Seattle five-star prospects who are top ten nationally, J.P. to and Mecca Agbuka. Um, uh, and if Ohio State gets them, and, uh, it looks like they might. They, they will have the number one in class probably with only 22 signees. and I think the status would be 14 uh, top 150 players in their class, which is pretty crazy when you think about it. I mean, they're signing almost 10% of the top 100 uh, or more than ten percent of the top one hundred players in America. Yeah, uh, and, and Alabama's in a very similar position, and and then LSU right now with Corey Foreman and Mason Smith and and Tristan Lay, um, there's only six remaining uh, five star prospects who have yet to, to uh, issue a commitment, and LSU is involved with four of them. So when you look at LSU's ability here to potentially sign a top three class and maybe you know challenge the number two spot, that's also exciting. Uh, in terms of under the radar programs. I think you got to like what he's doing. Uh, Mario Cristobal is about to sign the best class in the history of Oregon football. Um, they've got Franklin, that stud receiver from uh, Northern California in there. They've recruited California very well. And I think they also have uh, 10 or 11 top 150 players in their class. So, um, and, and then some other under the radar ones, maybe North Carolina, you've seen an uptick in their ability to recruit their own state. It's gone very well for them. And, you know, they're challenging for a top 10 class. I mean, You know, there's a lot of excitement here. But, you know, overall, when you talk about the the lack of visits, it's going to be a very interesting period because there's been a lack of of evaluation. There were no camps in the summer because of COVID. Uh, There's no uh, ability to get to know these kids in person. And, you know, I do think that coaches are probably relieved, um, as as weird as it is, that these kids aren't visiting because they don't want their teams and they don't want to get sick. I mean, everybody's worried about their their health too. Um, But in terms of just the way things have gone, it's going to be a very interesting year in, in the respect that, you know, most of these kids or a lot of, a large portion of these kids who are going to be signing in December, and now February will have done that without ever visiting the program they're going to sign with. And, you know, I guess there's no way around it. it stuff happens, the pandemic, but that's a very interesting scenario for what's going on right now.
1: Well, Ari, before we close, I, I have to ask, you, you haven't talked any about Clemson right now. Is it time to panic over there?
0: You know, no, I mean <laughs> they're what are they number six in the rankings right now? That'd be the best class they've ever signed, um, and they have one of the best quarter – Panic about what they're about to hit? Walk into the playoff and yeah. You know, the fact <laughs> of the matter is that Clemson is uh, Clemson is its own animal, and I'm Mr. Stars Matter. Like I would tattoo that on my body <laughs> because how much I uh, believe that to be the case. The teams with the best players in college football win the most, but the one thing that Clemson's been able to do, they've been able to win. Um, at a high level, and they've done that um, without having the recruiting results that rival what you would find in Alabama. And mm-hmm. they've knocked off Alabama and become one of the premier programs in college football because they've got the best talent evaluator in college football in that status, Sweden. So the fact of the matter is, is that they might not compare to like what Georgia's doing or what Ohio State or Alabama are doing in the rankings or LSU even, um, but at the same time, this is also the best class that they've signed, I think. And, uh, you know, they lost Foreman and that was a tough, tough blow. But that happened months ago. Um, you know, I, I think that based on the trajectory of that program, I, I wouldn't be uh, shocked at all to see them continue on as one of the top three programs in America I mean, in terms of panicking. I mean, they've got uh, a quarterback who is waiting in the rink, wings after Trevor Lawrence, who just played one start um, and, and broke the Notre Dame record for most passing yards in that stadium. So I mean, I think they're situated just fine.
1: Yeah, they're sitting at number six, like you said, and uh, you know finished in, finished first in the ACC last year. They're first right now. Um, I said that tongue in cheek, but yeah, I don't think there's any uh, any reason to think anything's going to change anytime soon up there in Clemson. So, um, yeah, Dabo and them are doing just fine. Um, last thing here, kind of a I guess a I guess just a quick uh, you know hot seat question. You mentioned Mario Cristobal. You mentioned what he's doing at Oregon. I'm of the opinion that he is waiting for Nick Saban to retire and, and, and try to go after that Alabama gig. I think he's the one guy that I think can can really kind of pick up where Saban left off. Do you do you see somebody else there, or do you, do you like the sound of that?
0: He sounds like the right candidate, uh, but God knows. I mean, Nick Saban might go another 10 years for all we know. I mean, <laughs> a man's as energized as he's ever been, and I know that uh, – You know, Alabama is still recruiting at the highest level possible. They're about to challenge Ohio State to win the recruiting crown, which I think would be the ninth or tenth time he's done it in the last 12 years. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, when I think about Alabama and I I wonder is the uh, dynasty coming to an end, I think we'll find that out in the recruiting realm before we find it out on the field. Like the second they start dipping in the talent they bring in is when you'll start to be able to diagnose that. And right now, they're situated with the class they're putting together right now to be uh, a college football playoff champion contender every single year moving forward. So um, I like Mario Cristobal. I don't know if he's going to be at Oregon long enough to uh, wait that out because nobody knows how long uh, Saban, who might not even be a human, he you know, just might be a coaching football robot, uh, is going to last out there. But like in terms of names that would make sense right now, Uh, for the Alabama job I think he's certainly one of the more natural guesses I think Dabo Sweeney is one too and not that I know that that would even be possible but he's an Alabama guy too so you know there's a lot of different scenarios I guess you can come up with but Mario
1: Cristobal would certainly be at the top of that list absolutely well Ari before I let you go make sure uh let the folks that are listening know where they can find you where they can find your work and uh where they can follow you on Twitter yeah
0: yeah, my Twitter is just my name uh, at Ari Wasserman, A R I W A S S E R M A N, and uh, of course we uh, produce uh, podcasts and uh, work for the Athletic. And if you haven't signed up for the Athletic, I encourage you to do that right now on Black Friday. Depending on when this podcast is released, uh, you can get it for a dollar a month as a Black Friday deal, and that's pretty insane to me to get uh, uh, the best sports yeah. writing in, in the world. Uh, for $12 a year to start out. And, you know, we cover every team and every sport and have in-depth journalism that we all are, are very proud of and, and hope that you people uh, would cons- would consume and, and enjoy. So I appreciate you having me on, and, and thanks so much for giving me a minute to plug what I do. And uh, it was a pleasure talking to you, Zach.
1: Absolutely, all right. Well, thank you. Uh, hope you have a happy Thanksgiving. Stay safe out there. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, we'll be back next weekend, hopefully with another show. Uh, we'll do a live stream Um, Pending any uh, travel Or any uh, things that might pop up But uh, that's uh, Been our show thank you for tuning in to Respect my decision thank you to Ari Like I said stay safe out there and everybody Have a good holiday we're out Step into the world Of power loyalty